part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruiz. All right, bye. Hey. Well, I had a very interesting lunch with George Costanza today. Really? We were talking about our lives, uh-huh. and we both kind of realized we're kids. We're not men. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. <laughs> there isn't. Absolutely not. I mean, what are you thinking about, Jerry? Marriage? Family? Well, they're prisons. (laughs) Man-made prisons. You're doing time. You get up in the morning, she's there. You go to sleep at night, she's there. It's like you got to ask permission to to use the bathroom. Is it all right if I use the bathroom? (laughs) Yeah, and you can forget about watching TV while you're eating. I can? Oh, yeah. You know what? Because it's dinner time. And you know what you do at dinner? What? You talk about your day. <laughs> How was your day today? Did you have a good day today or a bad day today? Well, what kind of day was it? Well, I don't know. How about you? How was your day? <laughs> well, it's sad, Jerry. It's a sad state of affairs. I'm glad we had this talk. Oh, you have no idea. You have no idea. That actually has nothing to do with the message today. I'm just a Seinfeld fan, so. Jerry Seinfeld made a uh, career out of uh, finding comedy in everyday life, didn't he? And uh, there's no shortage of material in marriage. Amen? No shortage of material in marriage. Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, I'm going to jump right into it here, by the way. So if you're new, I'll welcome you. Uh, just curious, by a show of hands, how many of you um, know of someone whose um, marriage is uh, not just a comedy, but uh, it is falling apart, or um, someone close to you whose marriage is just falling apart? Anybody? I'm raising my hand. It's everywhere. I'm not going to bore you this morning with statistics on marriage, et cetera, except for one. Um, Scott, what was the one you gave us last week in fit class that the, the change now that has happened from single-parent homes to... to uh, uh, I don't have to bore you with any more uh, statistics. Now that that's a boring statistic. But uh, the fact that it's happening all around us, I mean, you guys you guys know it. I posted the question on Facebook. I wish I had more friends. I'd have got more of a response. <laughs> but uh, I posted the question on Facebook. If you had to give divorce a one-word cause answer, what would it be? If you could just pick one word that in your experience from all those who might be around you, or maybe even your personal experience of why divorce happens, if you had to, if you had to, if you had to narrow it down to one word, what would your answer be? Uh, I got multiple answers for commitment, 
meaning the lack thereof. Multiple answers uh, for communication, the lack thereof. Honesty, again, the lack thereof. Uh, I'm not sure this is a one word or actually even a word. God-centeredness. Probably my favorite came from one of my uh, former collegians at a previous church. Young guy, I don't even think he's married yet. He said entitlement. That might be a good word. Perception, someone said. Selfishness, godlessness, and on and on. What would you say? You had to add to that. Are there any words that pop into your, into your mind automatically? This is the participatory version. Huh? The enemy? Okay. Worldly? Compromise. Tracy said sex, or the lack thereof. Come on now. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. <laughs> I'm not going to give you my typical exegesis on this passage. Uh, if you've been around here for a while, you know I've got uh, a few different types of sermons. Mostly, I'm going to walk you through the text of the day. I'm going to try and unpack it for you, what the author wants to say. I'm going to give you a couple illustrations to help you understand and then try and find some applications for it in the end. And, and that's typically what I try and do, is let the, let the passage speak for itself. Uh, sometimes, though, I'll give you what I've called heart-to-heart messages from the pastor. Remember some of these? I've given you heart-to-hearts. Those are kind of pastoral messages that as the flock of this, as the pastor of this flock, I feel like sometimes God just wants me not just to teach, but sometimes I just need to preach and preach from the heart. And I've given you some of those heart-to-heart messages. Sometimes I've had uh, messages that I've, I've referred to as grandpa talks. You know what that's like, those talks where you just sit down with grandpa and he just imparts just some, some ancient wisdom sometimes. That's been a couple of our messages. Uh, we've had some participatory messages, and, and, and I think maybe those have gone better than um, a lot of the others. Today, though, feels like uh, what I'm going to call a shoot-from-the-hip message. Shoot-from-the-hip message. It doesn't mean that it's without preparation or prayer. Let me get that out of the way. What I mean by that is I'm just going to give you my first reaction. Because marriage turmoil seems to be surrounding us. I mean, it's, it's on our minds. It's in front of our face constantly. I don't know how you feel, but every, everyone I seem to talk to lately is dealing with somebody who's dealing with turmoil in marriages. And so uh, when I looked at this passage, and, and this, by the way, if, you're, if you find yourself here and you're wondering, this is just the next passage in the sermon, so nobody's being targeted here. It's just the next passage in Ephesians. But when I read through it, I just felt like uh, instead of breaking it down and teaching you the Greek and, the, and, the, and the, all the background and all that stuff that we might typically do, instead of, instead of quoting guys that are over 100 years old like I love to do, uh, I just felt like, man, I just need to pull the gun and just shoot it at you. I just wanted to give you my gut, shoot straight. Here's why I think this is important today, all right? Can we just cut out the mess? Let me just, let me just vent almost. I'm going to shoot from the hip. Uh, I'm also not going to uh, track through it because uh, I don't think I can do a better job than I've done before in this passage, and I've preached it to you before. If you want the details of the exegesis of this passage, I'm going to refer you back to 2009 when I preached a 10-part series called Manhood, Womanhood, and Marriage, all right? You can listen to the whole thing, or you can go to uh, number eight, I believe, and it's on this passage, all right? Particularly, guys, you may want to grab that CD. You can go online, 
Scroll back on our website to uh, September, in fact, of 2009. Listen to this whole series. You can listen to my message on this passage. So I'm going to save you that. Not because I, I mind repeating myself. I love to repeat myself. But because I just, I just feel like you need, to get, you need to get the message from the hip. Um, maybe I should say that uh, part of this is because I, I'm just a little frustrated with all the marriages falling apart around me. And I think it's no mistake that we're here in this passage today. Um, Blair, I found out this week, getting divorced. Already divorced. You know what I'm talking about, Blair? Facts of life, Blair? Tracking with me? What's her real name? Craig, you're, you're the master of details. Lisa uh, Welchel, yeah, long-time Christian speaker, Facts of Life, Blair, the real annoying one. Long-time Christian speaker. When that show ended, she married a guy, a Christian guy, been in ministry ever since. 25 years, calling it quits. That's depressing, isn't it? Depressing. Um, You see it on Facebook. Uh, Another one of my collegians this past week who's married now, she posted very similar sentiment to what I've been feeling lately. She said, what in the world is going on? Marriages are falling apart all around my marriage. What's going on? Um, I had a buddy call me on Tuesday and said uh, that his ex-wife, they got divorced two years ago. He's got a five-year-old son. He said, my ex-wife called me yesterday. Uh, No warning in November. She's moving out of state with my family. I can't do anything about it. He's going to leave. He, he's going to be a state away from his family. He's losing his mind. Um, let me give you just a little bit of a caveat here because, like I said, I'm going to sound pretty frustrated today, and maybe even a little bit mad. But what I know is, is that there are friends here, there are church members here, there are maybe visitors here who have been exposed to divorce, have close loved ones who have gone through, who maybe are going through divorce. There might even be some here who feel they're not far from divorce. There are some here who have been through divorce. And um, I I just want to say that, number one, I'm not mad at you. Let me just go ahead and say that my frustration, my anger is with the adversary at this very time. He is wreaking havoc. He's wreaking havoc in our marriage. And I want to shoot from the hip this morning because we've got, to, we've got to do something. Many of us need to do something quick about this. Um, I would also say that, that you might, having had been through divorce, if that's you, you might have the, the uh, inclination somewhere in your heart this morning to say, Pastor, you have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know what I went through. And to a degree, I would completely agree. You are right. I, I don't know. Today I want to, I wanna, from this passage, talk about some of the things that I think go wrong in every one of the divorce scenarios. Maybe it'll help someone else. All right? Um, let me read the passage to you. We're in Ephesians 5, verse 21. I'm going to start down through verse 33. Having just completed his thought in the previous section, he says this, and be subject to one another, and the fear of Christ. And many commentators 
believe that that's not just a wrap-up for the previous section, but it may be the transition to the end of his letter and an introduction to the things he has to say next. Very practical things. So, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's Genesis. This mystery, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Let me pray for us. Lord, uh, with great respect for your word, we come this morning declaring our need for you to intercede into our lives to make a difference. Where our lives don't line up with what your word proclaims, Father, we commit to change. And in the same breath, we say we don't have it in us to change on our own. And we need you, Holy Spirit, to work through us, in us, and out of us so that we might measure up to that which you've designed us to be, especially in our marriage. Whether our marriage is now or whether our marriage is in the future, Father, we need your word. We need what you have to say to us this morning. Holy Spirit, Deal with individual hearts on a level I cannot. Pray in Christ's name, amen. Why? What in the world is going on? Better yet, what in the world has gone wrong? Why are things in marriages and homes falling apart around us? I'll give you my answer. This is not my one-word answer. I'm going to save that for a little bit later. My answer would be that we have collectively and individually punished God. That happened, not just in America. Let's not pick on America. Does that happen in our world? We've punted God. We've gotten smarter than Him. We've come up with our own plan. We've punted God. So from the hip, let me give you my thoughts on this passage and how they answer where have we gone wrong, what's going on around us. 21 verse, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Bullet number one. We don't want to be subject to one another. We don't want to be subject to anyone. Is that right? That's just the truth. We don't want to be subject to anyone, even if you attach them to us in marriage. It's about me. Do we have a me mentality? We sure do. My apparent happiness 
my satisfaction trumps everything else in the end, doesn't it? Do you see that happening? You just look at relationships and it, and it, and it, and it crumbles, it stops, it ends, and, and you just wonder. At some point, somebody had to decide that their satisfaction and their happiness trumps anything God might say about the one another. Do a study in Scripture, by the way, and not just related to marriage, but related to living out your Christianity in general. Just even in the New Testament, look how many times one another is mentioned. You'll get flooded with passages. But we don't want to be in a one another thing. Now, we'll play that game as long as it doesn't mess up my plan, right? As long as I still get to be Lord of the Rings, as long as I still get to be the focus in the end. But when it really gets down to it, it's about me. And that just can't be. First shot from the hip, we've got to recognize that God has designed that we be subject to one another. Doesn't work any other way. 21b, it's not just being subject to one another, but there's, there's a qualification here. There, there's an additional phrase here that we can't miss. We have to be subject to one another, and it only works in the fear or in the reverence of Christ. You take that out, and just good luck. You take out Christ out of this relationship. If it's just a two-man thing and not a three-man thing, Christ in the middle of it, without that reverence for Christ, undergirding it, holding it up, holding it together, then good luck. How is it going wrong? We don't like being subject to one another. It's about me in the end, if we're honest. And it's always going to be about me if it's not going to be about Christ. It's an impossible proposition. You better be committed to something other than each other because he or she will fail you, and then what? I say that to every couple I perform a wedding for. He's going to leave his socks in the bedroom floor. She's not going to look like she looks right now, buddy. The honeymoon will end. Literally, that sweet month, it'll end. That's not just negativity, Pastor. Okay? That's, that's just a reality. You better be committed to something other than the one you get hitched to. Christ, God, your commitment to him better be that safety net under your marriage so that when one of you falls, when one of you drops the ball, there's something there to catch you. Luther said this, marriage did what no monastery could. I know I'd squeeze a hundred plus year old quote in there somewhere. Marriage did what no monastery could. It drove him to his knees. That's his point. And it should. It should drive us to a fear and reverence of Christ. That how, that's how being subject to one another even works, is that we're subject to him first. Marriage will drive you apart unless it drives you to God. Luther didn't say that. I said that. Marriage will drive you apart. It doesn't first drive you to You need to know ahead of time that you are not going to be completely satisfied in any other human outlet. The one you got or the one down the street. That whole you complete me thing, it's a, it's a farce. 
It's the Loch Ness Monster. It's the Abominable Snowman. It sounds great, sounds interesting, but it does not exist. Why? Three-letter word, sin. You will frustrate me. I guarantee it. The remedy to sin has always and only been, guess what? God himself. So guess what? In marriage, he is your only hope for survival. He's my only hope for survival. Why do marriages fail? Number one, we don't, we don't want to do the one another thing. Because in the end, it's a me thing. It's a Darwin thing. It's survival of the fittest. We're buying into it. Number two, it's always going to be a me thing until it's a crisis. Until we live in the reverence, in the realm of Christ gets his way before I can have mine. Until we live under that authority, until we put ourselves under subjection to him, it's not going to work out. Next shot from the hip is really what I would call a shot in our foot. It's where I get the title of our sermon, Shot in the Foot of Humanity. What I mean by that is if we don't do this passage, if we don't heed to this passage, then we are shooting ourselves in the foot. We have punted God, but we have also punted his plan. Amen? Particularly, specifically here today, his plan for what marriage is. And I'm not even going to the whole one man, one woman. That, that, that's another sermon for another day. Uh, that's just an evolution of this whole thing. First of all, we've punted God. We've also just punted that we're going to submit husbands and even wives to the way God said that should even be. Much less how it should be when we change up those positions. We've punted his plan. God said that this is marriage and it should look like this. Guess what? We're smarter than God, right? When we become the Lord of the Ring, the plan we come up is got us at the center of the plan. God says that the husband and wife have respective roles in this plan. We do. We don't want to play that part that we've been given. So we punted our part. We decided that we've got a better plan. Now, she doesn't have to live submissively, what the passage says, and he doesn't have to love sacrificially. We're not going to play those roles. So how's that working out for us? Any practical fallout that you can think of from us not taking the role that has been assigned to us? Any practical fallout when families, homes fall apart? I mean, can you think of anything? I can just look around my neighborhood and see I see dads not around. I see sons not being around. I hear children crying themselves asleep. I get phone calls. He's moving. He's going. I mean, it seems like a good idea to shoot yourself in the foot so you can get home, right? You understand the, the, the analogy, the old military analogy? Guys at war... Thought they had a good plan. I'll just shoot myself in the foot and they'll send me home. But then they hobble for the rest of their life. We punt God. We punt his plan. Because we don't really like that assignment that God has given us. We don't really think it's the best deal. Guess what? No wonder 
we are limping through the rest of our lives. And there are consequences years and years and years down the road. And what can I say to my friend who calls me? Consequences, choices made years ago, still wreaking havoc in your life. But we did it on purpose in unintentional ways. Let me give you one more shot from the hip on this passage. And uh, I really can't convey the importance of this, this shot well enough. But here it is. Marriages need to know that marriage is not about them. Maybe I should say that it's not primarily about them. Marriage is not about you. Marriage is not primarily about you. You know what I'd like to say? Marriage has nothing to do with you. That might be pressing it a little far. But if I just shoot from the hip, that's what I want to say to you. Hey, We've got to get a clue. I've got to remember that marriage is not simply about me, my happiness, my satisfaction, nor hers. Do you even know, do you realize that there's something bigger going on than just you? Your happiness, your satisfaction, and you building your family, and you, you, building into that family until, it, until it's the American dream. I mean, do we know that? I, to a large degree, I don't believe we know that. I think this is part of what Paul is saying here at the end, verse 33. This isn't just about us. There's a great mystery here, and the mystery is of the gospel. And the gospel, in that whole mysterious way, is being revealed, don't miss this, in your marriage. Marriage, I would argue, is the choice illustration for redemption and the gospel message in all of Scripture. It's the choice illustration. I can't think of one that God uses with more force than your marriage, my marriage, to illustrate the purpose and the plan and the carrying out in the finality, in the great hope of all of redemption, do you know, do you know that your marriage is the gospel, perhaps even in crayon, for all the world to be able to see and be illustrated? Ah, here's what Christ, the great bride, has done for the church. Reverse that, flip it. The groom has done for his bride. Do you know that? I mean, if I just got to shoot from the hip on this passage, and, and in a time when I'm just wondering, what, why, is, why, are, why are all these families falling apart around me? And I, and I read this passage, I say, ah, God, yeah, I see. We don't get this. We don't get this. Your marriage is not just about you. And so you can't be the determining factor on whether or not it sticks or not. It's about something more than you. God has designed your marriage, my marriage, Christian marriage, because all marriage should be Christian, by the way, to be an illustration of the grace he has extended, the salvation and the redemption 
that he has extended through Jesus Christ. Some of us don't know that. I'm telling you today. Don't, don't lose this very important, serious as it may be fact, that your marriage is bigger than you. John Piper wrote a book that's about this thick. You can download it uh, at DesiringGod.com, I think, still for free. It's probably the best book to that point, that marriage is not just about you. It's entitled, This Momentary Marriage. I gave you a quote in your bulletin. So you've got the title of the book. Uh, it's the one book that I require now through marriage counseling that the couple read. Why? Because in that book, he does a he does a excellent job of unpacking this one fact that your marriage is is about you, not just you, but it's also about and primarily about the gospel. And here's what I know: we can walk away from each other, husbands, wives. So much easier when it's just about us. But Christian, you need to know not just about you. Here's the quote I gave you. The most foundational thing to see from the Bible about marriage is that it is God's doing. Do we need that? We do. Look at the next statement. But the ultimate thing to see from the Bible about marriage is that it is for God's glory. Do you know? Your marriage is designed, all marriage is designed to be ultimately, primarily, for God's glory. Does God make you happy in marriage? I know He does. Does He want you to be happy in marriage? I believe He does. We need to know on hard days, difficult days, bad days, days when He drops the ball, when she lets you down, that it's not just about you. You should. What's happening? Why does it fall apart just from the hip? We don't want to be subject. It's all about me. By the way, my one word answer, selfishness. My experience around divorces, both of my parents come from divorce. And all my counseling and all my friendships, every story I hear of what led up to divorce, see if you don't find this to be true. Somewhere along the way, somebody decided to be selfish. Somebody made the selfish choice that it was going to be more about them than anything else. That's my one word answer. We don't want to be subject. It's all about me. We drop the fear or the reverence of God. He gets punted. His plan gets punted. She's not going to submit. He's not going to sacrifice. Not only do we not know that marriage is about something more than just us. Even when we find out, it doesn't seem like we care about it. That's just been the story. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I pray that um, this passage be for many of us a shot across our bow, a warning, a warning shot, a wake-up call. 
And I confess that uh, marriage and, and divorce, it is a complicated thing, and it, it might be too much. I may go too far to say that it could be summed up in one word. I, I realize that. But this morning I pray that from this passage we would, we would be warned. I pray that we would run scared from our own selfishness, from our own self-centeredness. I pray that we would run to Scripture, that we would, as Paul has said earlier, understand what the will of the Lord is for our marriage, humanity, or redemption. I pray as Paul did earlier in this letter as well, that we would walk in a manner worthy of our calling, as we walk this thing out, specifically in regard to our spouse, that we would walk in response to your grace and your calling upon us. We would walk in response to your eternal plan of redemption. We would understand what role our marriages play. And that that would be a safeguard to our homes. That it would override our selfishness. Father, my prayer is that uh, men and women in this place this morning would declare war against the enemy and his attempts to wreak havoc in our homes and in our marriages. I pray they would declare war against his, his trickery, his underhandedness, his slyness. His craftiness and his lies. Father, the adversary would sell us a bill of goods. We would limp through the rest of life, wounded by the shrapnel of a fallen home. Don't let it be. Don't let it be. Turn our frustrations for that which may be going on around us. Turn it towards the adversary, Lord. May we declare war against he and his plans to destroy your choice illustration of redemption. So maybe it'd be fitting, Lord, that we wrap up this morning by surrendering all. Surrendering all. Why don't you just stay in an attitude of prayer, seated. And uh, may the words of this song find a home in your heart. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.